Good morning. Let me try to open this here. All right. Uh, let's go to, let's read a story. Let's go to Acts 27. Go to Acts 27. We're going to read a story. This story really happened. And it's about Paul and Luke on their way to Rome. And when it was decided that we, Paul and Luke, should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and some prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan regiment. So entering a ship of Adramanitium, we put to sea, meaning to sail along the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. And when we had put to sea from there, we sailed under the shelter of the island of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, which is off the Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there a centurion, there the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing to Italy, and he put us on board. And when he had sailed slowly many days and arrived with difficulty to Canidus, the wind not permitting us to proceed, we sailed under the shelter of the island of Crete off Salmone. Passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach the city of Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening towards the southwest and northwest, and we will winter there. 13. Now when the, wind, now when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they have obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose. They called it the Euroclidon. So when the ship was caught and we could not head into the wind, we let the wind drive her. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. And when they had taken it on board, they used cables and to undergird the ship, and fearing lest they should run aground on Syrtis sands, they struck sail and so were driven again by the wind. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. And on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. 
all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. But but after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and the God whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those you sail with. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Now, when the Fourteenth night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors sensed that we were drawing near some land. And they took soundings and found it to be twenty fathoms. And when we had gone a little farther, they took soundings again and found it to be fifteen fathoms. Then, fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern, from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship... When they had let down the the lifeboat, the skiff, into the sea, under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the lifeboat, the skiff, and let it fall off. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take nourishment, for this is your, for your survival, since not a hair will fall from the head of, you, of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and also took food for themselves. And in all, there were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. 39. And when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship into if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea, meaning, meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes, and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where the two seas meet, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained Im- immovable. But the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Uh, My question to you with this story is, can you be encouraged? Can you be encouraged? And the question arises out of a story when we had read in verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small tempest beat on us, and all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. 
the soldiers, the sailors, the prisoners, they were holding on and holding on and holding on, and they finally let the last string of hope go. But yet God showed up and was able to encourage them. Can you be encouraged? What is encouragement? I want to ask the question, who was affected by the tempest of the sea? Who was affected by the tempest in the story? We read that it's the prisoners, but not Paul. We read that it's the soldiers, but not Luke. We read that it's the sailors, but not the believers in God. They hardly seem affected. They hardly seem troubled. Paul is praying, obviously, because he's been speaking to God, asking that all of them would be saved. And an angel finally comes and says, all that you have asked for, I will give to you. Luke is not writing this in panic. If you've ever read the biographies or the diaries of Lewis and Clark or those that are on journeys of ships like this or the pilgrims that crossed on the Mayflower, it doesn't write, it doesn't read like this. It reads of fear. It reads of something terrible has happened. I gave up my own hope. I was sick as a dog, right? Like all of those things come through. But Luke is on this boat. And it doesn't read like he's on the boat. It doesn't read like he is afraid. How is that so? Can you be encouraged? Can you be encouraged? Who is not affected by the perilous sea? It's Luke and Paul. They are affecting the affected. They are influencing those affected by the storm. They are in the storm. They're not floating in the air. They're vomiting, I'm sure. They're seasick. They're seeing things. They're not seeing things. They're not seeing the sun just as much as anybody else is not seeing the sun. They see the perilousness of their situation, but yet they are influencing the situation. They are in the middle of it. This is a reminder of something. There was once a guy who in the middle of a storm started walking through it. And his disciples saw this man and thought he was a ghost. And they cried out, is that you, Lord? It was Jesus himself walking through the storm. We talk about this. We talk about this, and yet here they are. Here is his disciples doing that very thing, affecting those in the storm versus the storm affecting them. Yes? Can you be encouraged? Can you be encouraged? Even when they did not heed the truth of the believer of Paul, Paul and Luke were not affected by their rebellion or their stubbornness to not listen to them. They didn't grumble or complain. They expected the unbelievers to not believe them. <laughs> they expected those that did not know God to not believe them. But they were obedient with the word that God gave them. They were obedient with, this is what's going to happen. But I will go with you through it anyway, if you, you don't want to do it. Paul does not berate them. Paul says, obviously, from the word that I gave earlier, you know that I was right. So now I'm going to tell you another word from the Lord, and it will be just as right as this one. And it was. Not one of the soldiers, not one of the prisoners, not the centurion, not Paul and Luke lost their lives in the sea. 
276 of them on a boat that was completely destroyed by the waves made it to land. And then the devil tried to bite Paul on the island of Malta the next day to kill him. And Paul shook it off. Who's affecting who? Who's affecting who? Can you be encouraged? Finally, after Paul ate food, it says in verse, where am I at? Verse 36, but we have to start in 35. And when Paul had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. So 274 of them. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all encouraged. The ones who had given up all hope. The ones who had let that last thread go away. The ones who had prayed their prayers to whatever God they were serving. I hope you take me with you into the deep. They finally were able to be encouraged. What does that look like? What does that mean? Can you be encouraged? The Lord asked me this question because... It's sometimes easier to encourage others than it is to be encouraged. It is sometimes easier to receive bad news than it is to receive the truth. Right? It is easier to be discouraged than it is to be encouraged. Would you agree? But the, the trait of a Christian should be one that can be encouraged. And encouragement is not something that's, I'm encouraged today, but when I read the headlines tomorrow, it's gone. That's not real encouragement. That's not encouragement. If I'm encouraged today on Sunday, but then Monday morning I read the headlines on the news and it discourages me, that's not the encouragement I'm talking about. That's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. If I'm encouraged that I see land and God's going to save me and then the bow of the ship gets stuck on a reef a hundred yards away from land and that discourages me, what was, worth, what was the worth of the encouragement of seeing land if I think, no, now I'm going to be busted up in the rocks? And what does this start doing? But we are not going from glory to glory like this. You go from glory to glory like this. You're not on a roller coaster. You didn't sign up for a roller coaster when you asked the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. So if you're on a roller coaster, you're supposed to be going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from steadfast love to steadfast love, not up and down. So if you're going up and down, we need to have the heart checked. You need to have your heart checked. He has to be the anchor of your soul, the lover of your heart, the captain of your salvation. You hear me? This is of the soul. This is not of the spirit. This is of the flesh. This is not of the Holy Ghost. Can you be encouraged? Yes? Your future and present state is determined by this trait on how well you can be encouraged and hold it. 
Your future and your present state is determined by this trait on how well you can receive encouragement, hold it, and be encouraged. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yes? Hard times will come to our nation and to the world. We have heard this from Brandy. You've heard it from me. The darkness will get darker. But praise God, because when something is dark, it is easy to spot the light. It is easier to spot light in a dark room, and you're attracted to it. So praise God, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. So if the world is going to get darker and darker, they're going to come to me. They're going to come to me, because it's easier to see the truth when you're in darkness. Praise be to God. But you're like, that. that is. But when you actually think about what I just said, that the world is going to get darker and darker, that means that you're going to see stuff you didn't think you'd see. That means you'd hear things you didn't think you'd hear. That means you'd show up in the store and see the shelves empty like you never thought they'd be empty. That means you'd be running out of toilet paper when you never thought you'd run out of toilet paper. We've already done this. Have you forgotten? The nation has. The nation has forgotten three years ago, two years ago what happened. That feeling. And when it happens again, they'll be shocked. They'll be shocked. How many times, uh, how many times did Paul get shipwrecked? Do you know? Second Corinthians 11. How many times did Paul get shipwrecked? <laughs> how many times did Paul get shipwrecked? Uh, it's in 20, it's in 2 Corinthians 11, verse, we'll start in verse 23, because it's so good, right? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, and deaths often, yes, they thought that Paul had died several times and the saints raised him from the dead. There's one that we know of for sure after he got stoned. He was laying on the ground dead and the saints raised him from the dead. 24, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 times five. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's one of the deaths. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. So we've read one of those times. So he's been in shipwreck twice. And one of those times he was floating at sea a night and a day because he didn't float at sea a night and a day in this one. And he's encouraged. He's affecting it. He's not traumatized. He's not quaking in his bones. What? What? Yes. Yes. Three times I have been shipwrecked in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils of false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. Besides other things, what comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. We just did a whole lesson that sounded a whole like, like this last week with Lauren and spiritual disciplines and weariness and toil and sleeplessness and in hunger and in thirst and in fastings often and in cold and in, wait a minute, 
He's been going through spiritual disciplines, and he's learned that in all things, I can have the anointing of Christ that strengthens me to it. Philippians. Philippians. For I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one who strengthens me. Whether I am abased and whether I'm abound. That means whether I have nothing or whether I have million dollars. I have learned to be satisfied in both and encourage myself in both and be encouraged by the Holy Spirit in both because encouragement is actually the building block to faith. And if you're going to go from faith to faith, you go from encouragement to hope and hope to faith and then faith starts again. And your faith encourages you and then you have encouragement to get another set of hope and then the hope builds up the faith again. And it's a cycle. So if you have true encouragement, it should be leading you to a greater revelation of faith with Jesus Christ. That should be the cycle. That if I am truly encouraged, then I see my future. I see the goodness of God and I will surely encounter the goodness of God in the land of the living. And surely goodness and mercy are ahead of me, but they're also behind me because they will follow me all the days of my life. And there's hope. I'm encouraged in that and there's hope. And then the hope that I take hold of because when he shows up, like Donetta says, and you have a testimony of when he actually showed up, when you did what he said, then it gives you faith. And so Paul is like, I've done this twice and I have faith that even though I prophesied and it came true, I can receive mercy from God to save us all. Because the first thing was true. We were all going to lose our lives. We had all given up hope. Like, it was true. They were all going to lose their life. Paul's prophecy came true. But he prayed on behalf of the mercy of God. On behalf of the mercy of God. There's only two believers on here that we know of out of 276. They're not praying to God. They're praying against wicked principalities. And those guys are just making it circle even more and more. What is it called? It's called a Euryclidon. It's like a hurricane. A northeasterner. Where the winds, because who's praying? Well, all of these guys are praying to Zeus and Thor and whoever else they wanted to pray to. Empowering them, but yet the prayers of the two believers affected it more. And he said, no, have mercy. I'm not going to, I know that you will save me, God, but I'm asking for more than just me. I'm asking for them all. That not one of us would be lost. Not one. That was Paul's prayer. And Luke was right there with him. Luke was right there with him. Who's being affected by the storm? You're going to hear hard times. You're going to hear doom and gloom. You're going to wake up, and we're going to see things that we thought we'd never see in this nation. But you are called to walk through it. He didn't ask us to join the kingdom of heaven for comfort. So if you are expecting comfort in the kingdom of heaven, that's the roller coaster. But he did say that I will give you life and life more abundantly. And so you can experience life and joy and truth in those times that God has set before us to walk through. If you can settle it in your mind today, we're going to see some storms. We're going to see some stuff that looks like we're all lost. But I am going to be walking in the kingdom of life so that when I go through it, I have truth, I have joy, I am living alive abundantly in the time that I'm in, 
And I am affecting it, and it's not affecting me. That's what Jesus did. They were about to throw him off a cliff. And he walks right through. There was a storm. He walks right through it. His people do the same thing. I'm not here to tell you that you, are more, you were born for comfort. You were born for such a time as this, to walk in the kingdom of life, and life more abundantly. How do I know that? John 10.10, right? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Who said that? Jesus. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That means you don't have to wait. You can have it now. And I made a way to do that. I shed my blood. I took the beatings. I took your sin. And I said, Father, this is my fault. I am paying your debts. I am paying their debts so that you can bless them, so that you can speak to them, so that you can give them, so that you can pour out all that's in your heart to do, Father, because they're your children. And Jesus went to him and said, it's all my fault. I will take the fault. I will take the guilt. I will take the shame. I will take that payment. And you can put your wrath on me. And he took it to the cross. And they nailed it to him. And he wrote that check with his own blood of the debts that we owed. But because of the Spirit of God that saw the purity of his blood, that that blood could not go to the dirt and not come back up. The blood could not touch the earth and not spit it back out. The unholiness of the dirt could not hold the precious blood of Jesus. It had to spit it back up. Just like the whale spit up Jonah. The whale, the unclean whale could not hold the holy prophet. The holiness of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit in him, the holy blood could not stay on the earth. It had to be spit back up. And he was resurrected three days by his very own spirit. He made his lungs breathe again. And this is my hope, that if he's in me, then he will make me breathe again. In the flesh. Because I'm spirit. I'm one with him now. I am seated in heavenly places in the spirit. But my hope is that this flesh won't ever fight me again. This body won't ever fight me again. This body won't be at enmity with God ever again. That's the hope. That just as Jesus is in the flesh, I will be in the flesh through the blood of Jesus because his blood will go through my veins. And it is, and it shall be, and it will be. You hear it? That's the faith. That's what you're believing in Christ Jesus, that there's no corruption in the flesh. Yes, this should be encouragement to you, and it should lead you to faith. And then you can go from faith to faith to faith, glory to glory to glory. Because you're partaking of that divine nature as we read about two weeks ago. Yeah? Can you be encouraged? We are not made for comfort, but we are meant for the kingdom full of life. We have been born again from the Father of heaven, being alive and full of hope and truth and joy in the midst of hard times. Hard times don't toss you. It should encourage you for more faith. Yeah? Uh, what happened in 2020 at this date? Who won the Super Bowl? The Kansas City Chiefs. And who is in the Super Bowl today? The Kansas City Chiefs. 
Oh, but what about the prophet that said that when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, just like the Chiefs have a kingdom, the Chiefs' kingdom, the Chiefs of the kingdom of God are going to arise and show up in the land of the living. Oh, so what's going to happen if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Guess what's going to be on Facebook tomorrow? The last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, all hell broke loose. What are you going to do about it when you read the headlines on Facebook tomorrow if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? Mm -hmm. Fear has all of a sudden snuck in the room. Why? Because it was encouraging in 2020. But then the devil did a number and traumatized the church. Now, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, it will be fear. Um, should we say it again? Should we say it again? Should we prophesy again? Because the Lord will have a harvest for those who really want to do it. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Can you be encouraged when encouragement is in your face? Or will you take on the discouragement of the last time that happened? Yeah, the last time I gave the word, they didn't believe me. We ran aground. The last time I gave the word, we were shipwrecked. Can you be encouraged? Because encouragement means you can't be discouraged. You with me? I hope you're hearing me. Because the word is true. The prophet spoke it. There are going to be leaders of the new wine of the church. The new wine of the church. Why? Because we have a harvest and it's going to take a huge number of people that are chiefs in the kingdom that are tenacious enough to believe God. That's the bride of Christ that we've been talking about since the beginning here. Those that have been disciplined to encourage themselves in times like this. When they hear bad news, they can look on the face of Jesus and be encouraged to see, I have a plan. I have a future. It's not all doom and gloom because the Lord has a plan and a future for me. And yet God does this with us because he looks at me and he sees the, the yuck. He saw the filth. He sees it today. He's the lion that's looking and judging us right now. He sees the heart and he's not afraid to get in there. He says that he vomits out of his mouth. That is what's not him. That's in Revelation 3. I wish that you were either hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm vomiting. You're out of my mouth. And this is that choice that you're talking about now. You can choose to be the best of the worst or the worst of the best. That's lukewarm. It's up to you. But I'd rather you be hot or just rather be cold. And what am I trying to say? I'm saying that God looks at us like that. He looks at us when we're even in that place. And he sees us in those places of our heart where we are just not quite all the way there yet. And we're taking that roller coaster ride. And yet he is willing to go to the depths of your heart and get a little yucky and get a little mucky and get in that filth and clean you up and still says, you know what? You have a hope and a future and you're going somewhere. And I have a destiny for you. He says that to us. And we can look at our countrymen and we can look at this country and we can do the same thing. You're a mess, but I'm not afraid to get in here. I'm not afraid to put my hands in it. I'm not afraid to throw off the tackle. I'm not afraid to throw off the storage of the undercarriage. I'm not afraid to throw off tomorrow's lunch 
to see the future come into what the Lord has said will happen. Luke said he threw off with his own hands <laughs> his, his life support, basically. That's the talent. He's like throwing off the robes that would probably save him. They threw off all the rest of the wheat after they ate enough for that day. They gave it all up. And the church is going to be, have to be willing and say, you know what, uh, I'm here for the harvest, but I'm not here for, to feed the oxen and see them, the oxen's trough get all dirty and mucky. That's in Proverbs. Because God doesn't do that with us. He goes into the storm. He goes into the yuck. He goes onto the roller coaster and he stops it. And he cleans it. And he loves. And then he tells you that, yeah, it looks like hard times, but praise God, we are affecting it. And it is not affecting us. Because we are the ones that stop the wind and the waves. That's us. That's us. The bride of Christ. The walking, living, breathing bride of Christ with a sword in her hand and healing in her eyes and love for everyone, but yet rebuke for the wicked. You with me? I hope so. If you are really encouraged, it's not a fleeting feeling for today and gone with tomorrow's headlines. We are disciplining ourselves in this house. We are disciplining ourselves. We are disciplining ourselves. We are disciplining ourselves. A soldier does not be afraid when war is announced. A soldier is not afraid when war is announced, right? That's that old Marine, it might still be their, their uh, tagline. When they hear the sounds of war, they start running to it. The Marines, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? When they hear the sounds of distress, they start running to it, then away from it. That's what you're called to be. It's what you're called to be. And if it's like, ugh, that's that roller coaster. Can you be encouraged? Can you be encouraged? You are disciplining yourself. Stay encouraged. Keep encouraged until it turns to hope. Then this hope will turn to joy and the joy will turn into faith. Can you be encouraged? Stay encouraged. Keep encouraged until it turns to hope. Then that hope will turn to joy and that joy turns to more faith because he shows up every time you hold on to him. Yeah, it's more than just seeing things from an optimistic, optimistic place. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that we're supposed to just, yes, we're supposed to be thankful, happy people, but it's more than just being optimistic and seeing things in rose-colored glasses because you have to see that's ugly. That's dark. And I'm calling it dark and ugly. But I can see through it to where it's gonna go. You can look at your nation and be like, you ugly. You're not doing a lot right. But I can see through it and the destiny and the truth of what God has said you're supposed to be. You can both in, be in that place. That's a truth. You still have to acknowledge. You have to acknowledge one or the other. You have to acknowledge both. That's the goodness over there and the severity over here. And the church does a really good job of one or the other. And sometimes we have people that are like one or the other. They only see the ugly, or they only see the really good. You have to be wise. You have to be mature. You have to be able to tell your children as a parent, this is not right, but I know where you're going. It's easy as a parent 
Oh, man, my kid, I can see him being this in his future. But today, he is a stinker. We do that with our kids every day. We have to do it with those around us. We have to do it with our future brothers, sisters in Christ. You also have to do it for your nation. You have to do it for the nation maybe where you came from. You have to do it for the state that you live in or the state where you came from. You have to say, man, that is not, oh, that is not righteous and it's not right. But I see where you're supposed to go. And I believe for it because not any of your hair is going to fall to the ground if I have anything to do with it. If I have anything to say about it. And if I can pray for mercy. Yeah? You with me? Let's go to Acts 11. This is where we'll end. It's more than just seeing things from an optimistic, optimistic place, rose-colored glasses type of thing. God is not that. God doesn't see things in rose-colored glasses. He sees the truth. He sees the truth. He sees the yucky and the horrible. He gets his hands dirty. He gets angry at sin. But yet he is compassionate and loving and tender to see you through it and get you to the truth and to the love of God. He still has more than enough love for us to see a hope and a future and great plans for us. Yes? Are you in Acts 11? Here we go. Acts 11, verse 22. What is the purpose of being encouraged? What is the purpose of being encouraged? Why do you need to be encouraged? Acts eleven twenty two. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Oh, that was good news, okay? So those things that came to their ears was good news, okay? They sent out Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Oh, the son of encouragement. They sent out Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. The purpose of encouragement is that it will add your purpose of heart. Did you see that in verse 22? When Barnabas came and had seen the grace of God in Antioch, he was glad and he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. That's that, that's that second Peter that we've been reading. Add virtue, and to virtue add perseverance, and perseverance add endurance. Encouragement gives you purpose in your spiritual discipline. When you are, the Lord is asking you to do something, right? We're disciplining ourselves. We're asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? Whether it's fasting, whether it's being quiet, whether it's listening, whether it's getting up, whether it's prayer, whatever it is that he's asked you to do, encouragement sets that purpose in your heart. It keeps that purpose in your heart going. You have to have encouragement to keep doing what God asked you to do. You have to be encouraged to do the purpose of the heart that God has set for you, to continue with the Lord. And that is how come this stops. Because encouragement lets you persevere and gives you the purpose of your heart to just go up, 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 right? Level to level, faith to faith, glory to glory. Encouragement. What does discouragement do? There's the drop. There's the drop. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's in Proverbs. The devil tries to discourage you. But you can be disciplined 
to be encouraged. You can be disciplined to stay encouraged. And you can be disciplined to grow in that encouragement of your heart where no one has to encourage you but the Holy Spirit. Because Paul wasn't getting any encouragement from anybody. Everybody had lost all hope. But Paul went to the one who is the truth and received encouragement and gave it. And they went from faith to faith, glory to glory, and they all were saved. Yeah? You with me? So if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you better stay encouraged. Yes? Amen? Let's stand up. And if you need prayer for anything, we are up here. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I will lead you to him. He is the king, and he is the savior of your heart. Amen? Well, Father, here we are. And you've asked us a question. Can I be encouraged? Search me and know me. Search me and know me. Let me be honest with you. Because I am to be a son of encouragement. (laughs) Filled with the Holy Spirit. Always encouraged with the future. Always seeing the glory of God is my future but yet speaking the truth in love of what's actually happening around me. They can go through the storm. They can go through a storm and have it not affect them. And I know that there will be storms in this life, and I choose to be encouraged through it for the purpose of your glory to continue with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.